Brenda Harrington joins us today and chats about adaptive leadership. Brenda is a certified executive coach and the founder of Adaptive Leadership Strategies, LLC. She works with leaders globally in public, private, government, and nonprofit organizations. She spent more than 30 years in private industry, and she's recently published a book called Access Denied, Addressing Workplace Disparities and Discrimination. I've really enjoyed this conversation, and I know that you will too. Hello, and welcome to The Communicative Leader, hosted by me, Dr. Leah O'Million Hodges. My friends call me Dr. O. I'm a professor of communication and a leadership communication expert. On The Communicative Leader, we're working to make your work life what you want it to be. Brenda, we are so excited to have you on The Communicative Leader, and you've done and continue to do really incredible and important work in the leadership arena. And before we dive into this work, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, maybe what brought you to this area? Thank you, Lee. I'm really happy to be here. And so, uh, you know, by most standards, I would say, you know, I I took a very circuitous route to get to where I am. Um, But I've always been a person who really focused a lot on values and lifestyle. And I haven't uh, been what most people would consider a conformist. Uh, much to the dismay of many people, because over the course of the arc of my career, you know, last 40 years, I've gotten a lot of questions and head scratching and things like that. Why are you doing this? Why'd you walk away from that? And, you know, I think the key thing is that, um, you know, I I haven't always known, you know, what was next, but I knew that where I was wasn't working for me. Mm -hmm. So I started my career many years ago in, you know, traditional corporate America, mobile oil, uh, I went from mobile oil to AT&T, and uh, it's kind of like the Goldilocks story, right? Too hot, too cold. Yeah. I knew that uh, those were not the types of spaces where I wanted to spend, you know, the majority of my life. <laughs> and so uh, that really is what initially compelled me to move away. I've ho- always had an inclination and a desire to work with people. I didn't always know what that looked like. But after leaving mobile, I, uh, I'm sorry, after leaving AT&T, I, um, I did a lot of work in the area of, of corporate relocation, uh, uh, working with uh, employees and executives who were impacted by, you know, move assignments and things like that domestically and internationally. And that really uh, created a space for me to connect with people in a different way. And, and, and a lot of it was, you know, focused on lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Uh, 9-11 brought a lot of that to a halt uh, for obvious reasons, right? There was a lot of uncertainty. So I I, kind of broke my own rule, if you will. And I went in-house to a a, a regional uh, real estate uh, management and consulting firm where I thought I would spend hmm, six or eight months until Mm -hmm. things came together. And nine years later, I left. (laughs) Uh, as a, as a senior executive, uh, mm-hmm. having been through a, uh, a very challenging, uh, acquisition and, mm-hmm. and dealing with the financial crisis and things like that. But I learned so much. I, 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 uh, affirmed what I'd always felt was that, which is that when we get the people part right, and if mm-hmm. we can focus on relationships, a lot of other things become possible. And so, I decided at that point that uh, as I thought about what would be the last chapter, if you will, mm-hmm. in my professional life, 
that's where I wanted to focus. Yes, mm-hmm. I can do budgets and I can read financial reports, but I don't like that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, and that's really when I uh, both, you know, not really discovered, but when I embraced coaching. So I went back to school. I went back to Georgetown to get my certification in coaching. And I started uh, pursuing other certifications and psychometric assessments Mm -hmm. and development and decided to form my own practice. And that's when Adaptive Leadership Strategies was born. Yeah, I love that. And I love the focus on relationships because what are we without relationships? And certainly we recognize organizations crumble when they don't have that solid foundation. Thank you. So Brenda, you have this quote that I really love. And the quote is playing to win requires an understanding of the game, knowing who the star players are and developing and executing a playing strategy. Can you unpack this for us? Maybe the audience, the context. Well, thank you for uh, acknowledging this quote. It's from my book, Access Denied, which is which is a focus on work de- workplace disparities and discrimination. But this quote actually applies across the board. You know, we we come through institutions of higher learning, and we and we come into the we break into the world in this kind of I love me phase. We've, we we're receiving all of these accolades, and we're getting all this attention for our wonderful accomplishments. But guess what? There are a lot of other people who are accomplished and smart and all the things, you know, that we see in ourselves. And so uh, we tend to make inappropriate or tend to have inappropriate expectations, I'll say, and make inappropriate assumptions, assuming that because we have the credentials and because of all the things we've accomplished, that that will continue. Right. Yeah. Uh, And that we will be automatically recognized and acknowledged for our work. And it's so important to really just read the room, you know, pay mm-hmm. attention. It's, it's almost like situational awareness when you're in a crowd, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but pay attention in your organization and in your field of study or work or discipline. Who are the power players? What type of behavior is not only uh, tolerated, but recognized? Mm-hmm. Yes, it's great to have the mission statements and all of these things on mm-hmm. the website and plastered on the wall. Yeah. But pay attention to what's happening. What are they doing? Mm-hmm. And, and and we miss that opportunity so many times, and we are on autopilot thinking that you know it's it's just about us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, that's such a a powerful statement, and it's something I see. You know, the front end of that, I guess, as a as a higher ed educator, in students thinking, well, I have my degree, so I should be a top leader now, and. You know, we they've spent all of these years, you know, all of this focus, this attention, this mentoring, and then this big disconnect when they realize, oh, there's a whole team and there are people who have more experience and I'm going to have to put in this time. So, yes, I certainly see see that from one end. And um, you're right that unhooking that autopilot and looking at the culture, looking at the artifacts, looking at how people talk who, you know, has the leader's ear and all of those things, like you're saying, give us so much knowledge and so much power. But a lot of times we don't even, you know, blinders on. So, yeah. And I I become concerned when I hear people say, I just want to go to work and do a good job and come home and I don't want to deal with the politics. Then maybe just, you know, think of something else. Because if you're in a corporate or an organizational environment, 
it's going to be politics. Exactly. And if, if you have an interest to move through that organization, mm-hmm. up sideways, whatever it is, mm-hmm. it's not to play. It's not discretionary. Yes, exactly. And maybe not even play, but stay in some cases, yeah. right? To hang on to that role. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. And so, Brenda, I'm going to ask you a question now about your book. And we know that you have all of this experience in leadership and across industries and organizations. So can you talk to us about some of the things that you either saw or you experienced that led you to write your book, Access Denied? I'd never thought about writing a book before 2020. And the events of the spring of 2020 uh, were alarming and troubling, you know. Mm -hmm alone. But what was as alarming for me were the conversations that emerged. And I, um, I experienced that kind of as a call to action, actually, Mm -hmm. you know, for someone who really, I don't have any meaningful platform or anything like that. But, but I felt that and feel that uh, it's important for all of us to really live our values right now, Mm -hmm. and, and find a way to uh, have an impact or ha- make sure our voices are heard. Mm-hmm. And so I thought about a lot of my own experiences, some that I tell in the book and the experiences mm-hmm. of others that they've shared with me. And I was very grateful that I, I uh, was able to, uh, you know, utilize or, or, mm-hmm. or tell the stories of, yeah. of people, which were very, very um, sensitive in some cases, mm-hmm. their experiences in the workplace with, mm-hmm. with, with, disparities based on on race and and race and gender in some cases mm-hmm. you're not, not always sure what's what's at play yeah right? yeah um but you know i mean there are many there there are certainly i tell a story ab- about uh, my experience uh you know that led to my separation from at&t mm-hmm. you know where, uh very blatantly the the manager i reported to wrote my name at the top of a of a piece of paper this is way before you know computers on all desks mm-hmm. and email and things like that and just outlined a plan of how he wanted me to be removed from the payroll and you know the first step was you know to oh. not to withhold my bonus and to give me an unsatisfactory appraisal for which there was no documentation and he did that um and then replaced me with a a white male colleague right yeah oh. uh, and I could, you know, I could tell hundreds of those stories. Mm-hmm. You know? um, and then another story, you know, which which wasn't directly career impacting, but going back to the position uh, that I described toward the end of my mm-hmm. career before starting my practice, um, you know, at an executive retreat, I had no reason to believe that I was uh, in any peril or, 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 or danger or mm-hmm. uh, nothing to be afraid of, right? It's, it was a professional retreat. Um, but the, the, CEO who organized the retreat decided to go down this historic journey uh, uh, in in the in in the you know of, of of events in the South leading up to the Revolutionary War, and so you know uh, there I sat as the only black, not only black yeah. female, but black person in the mm-hmm. room uh, when an actor and character as George Washington, you know, made a comment about slavery. So mm-hmm. things like that. You know, yeah. things that you just, uh, you, you, you shouldn't even have to, to think about or, or, or tolerate, you know, certainly in a professional environment. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, in any environment. Yeah, it is. It um, When I hear things like that, especially as a leadership communication scholar, I just think, how? 
how is that the path that you choose to think about? Oh, gosh, I'm sorry, Brenda. And I'm so happy that you were able to share your stories and others in order to to help others understand different experiences than their own. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. And, you know, I, I, I appreciate the, the apology. Um, mm-hmm. and I know that this is uh, an, an awkward place for everybody. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, and I'm not, I, for me, I just want people to be aware and, mm-hmm. and, and to, to be willing to have conversations about these things, you know, and I hear so much, well, I didn't do anything and it's not in my hand and I don't want mm-hmm. my kids to do all these kind of things. But I don't think that people really understand the pervasiveness of this mm-hmm. and, and, and the, the presence that everyone wants to quickly say, oh, it's history. You know, why don't we leave it? It's not, it, mm-hmm. it's not as historical as you might yeah. expect. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's not only about things that happened. It's about things that are happening. Yeah. Yeah. And that is a good segue to this next question. So also thinking about access denied, what are one or two leadership skills or strategies that our listeners could start to practice right away that would offer more inclusion, a better experience, a more intentional experience for all? Yeah. Paying attention. Just, mm-hmm. just you know, lift your head, look to the left mm-hmm. and the right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and just to be more curious is a good start. Mm-hmm. realize and respect the fact that there are other perspectives than your own mm-hmm. other than your own and, and, and be willing to ask questions even when they're hard mm-hmm. because, you know, two people can, can look at the very same thing, obviously, and, and have very different interpretations. And it's important mm-hmm. to know that. And when you feel that your interpretation is not being considered or is being left out, you know, that's, that's the beginning of, of feeling marginalized and yep. just, you know, being shut out. Yeah, yeah. And exactly. And we know from employee voice literature, when we feel like our voice isn't heard, then we stop sharing it. Yeah. 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 Gosh. So now I want to shift gears a little bit. And we know that you embrace and you champion authentic leadership. And I really couldn't agree more because I've had pushback here, whether it's in the classroom or if I'm doing consulting work, the idea that I need to be a democratic leader or I need to be a transformational leader is, is the gold standard. But how do you then, you know, considering authentic leadership as embracing who you are, your natural strengths, how do you introduce and position authentic leadership? Being yourself, you know. Certainly, we have to regulate our behavior. Everyone does, okay? But not being expected to get in character in order to do your job. I can't tell you how many examples and stories I've heard of people, you know, trying not to speak with an accent that's considered unfavorable, for example, in the workplace, because, you know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be well received. Uh, and, and so if you think about a battery, if you think about, you know, the, the charge on your cell phone or, or, or a technology, uh, you know, piece of technology mm-hmm. device, and, and let's say that the battery, when it's at full charge has 10 bars mm-hmm. and, and that's all we've got. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> that's all we've got. And so if we have to utilize, you know, the resource of one or two of those bars to get ready for what we have to do, you know. What's the point? I mean, it really is 
a a a miss misutilization mm -hmm. such a word or, or you yeah. know misdirection of resources mm -hmm. right right and so especially in in the environment that we're in with so many challenges as leaders mm -hmm. all of the uncertainty the complexity mm -hmm. the ambiguity you know we we need all of what we've got and who we are to focus on the work right mm -hmm. and we're there to do and so the the thought or the act of of having to figure out before you even get to that point of how you you know who you have to be in that role yeah. is counterproductive mm -hmm. in my opinion in my opinion yes yeah. i i couldn't agree more and i love that metaphor cuz the idea you're already tamping down your own bandwidth and that's a finite resource yeah so yeah. there are so many better ways to use that Absolutely. You know what happens to that phone when you're down to one bar, right? Yeah, exactly. Yes. I'm going to use that with my students. I love that. It's such a clear way of helping them to understand better ways to use your resources, your strengths, your talents. Yeah. So, Thank you. We've talked about you know, the benefits of authentic leadership and so let's look at that flip side. So what are some of the costs of attempting to lead in a way that's not natural or even worse yet comes across as performative? Mm. Uh, you know, people, I think people can sense it. <laughs> and, you know, when it's not sincere, when it's inauthentic, it, it becomes a barrier to building trust <laughs> and developing relationships. And so if, if, if people, you know, it, it, you have that spidey sense, yes. and, you know, yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I hear what you're saying and I see what you're doing, but it just doesn't seem real to me, mm -hmm. right? Wolf in sheep's clothing kind of thing yes. might be a little extreme, but, but that's the, that's the challenge. And, you know, when I talk about leadership, when I work with leaders and, and in cohort learning environments, mm -hmm. a lot about the power and, and the need for influence. We're not, we're not in a top-down command and control place when mm -hmm. it comes to leadership anymore. Thank goodness. Yes. Yeah, I <laughs> but, agree. Yeah. Um, and so in order to be able to, to, to develop that capacity for influence, we've got to be able to, you know, uh, earn the trust of others and build those relationships. Mm -hmm. and so when you're not showing up as all of who you are, you're really creating a barrier. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and it makes it more difficult for those things to happen. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Because if we think about, I think, leadership and its simplest ingredients, we have people and tasks. But if we're not able to form, like you said, those trusting relationships with people, right. then we know that the tasks are also going to suffer or they're not going to be as optimized as they could if someone has the safety with us to be vulnerable, to innovate, right? So, right. yeah, that's really powerful. Yeah, yeah. And we talk about, uh, and I'm sure you have too in your work, mm -hmm. psychological safety, yes. right? Yep. How yep. am I going to be received, accepted? What's going to happen if I make a mistake? Will my team mm -hmm. have my back, right? Can, yeah. I, can I express myself? Can I share mm -hmm. my, is it safe, right? Yeah, yep, exactly. And if your leader feels like this moving target of how he or she or they're going to perform or act or communicate one day from the next, then we certainly don't feel safe. Or I think most people wouldn't be able to see through that and um, feel that sense of comfort, comfort and safety. That's right. That's right. Yeah. 
So Brenda, I have two more questions for you. So this first one, on the communicative leader, we always leave our listeners with a specific leadership or leadership communication practices. So considering this, what is one thing you wish all titled leaders knew? Or what is that one piece of advice you would give to titled managers or leaders? Move the title aside. Mm. Don't expect your title to speak for you. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we were just talking about influence mm-hmm. and I think of, of, of leadership competencies as being on a continuum, mm-hmm. authority at one end, influence at the other. Okay. Right? Oh, I like that. And so if I am leading by my title all mm-hmm. the way over on that authoritative side, yeah, you know, that we're back to that command and control. Mm-hmm. So do as I say, do, you know, yep. Uh, and you can get things done that way, but it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a very limited source of power. Mm-hmm. But when you can move along that continuum and get closer mm-hmm. to that place of influence, yep. then people are with you because they believe in you, they trust you, they yep. like you in some cases, yep. but they respect what you're able to do. Mm-hmm. And they line up behind you and come through for you. You know, and I won't say no matter what, yeah. but you can mm-hmm. rely, you know, you, you can have a, you have a higher sense of higher degree of engagement mm-hmm. circumstances. And so uh, just set the titles aside. Don't, yeah. 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 Oh, I really love that. Uh, that makes me think I just worked on a manuscript. We interviewed 60 managers. We did really in-depth interviews and then we got a collection of open-ended responses from followers, you know, those not entitled positions. And we asked them for their metaphor for managing. So someone, you know, if you're a lion, what does that make your work group? And we asked the followers as well. But the big takeaways at the end of the day and looking at all of this data was uh, followers, teammates, they really loved and looked up to managers who could influence the environment and influence followers And that was really in awe. I mean, if I'm thinking of some of the metaphors, one that sticks out is my manager is this beautiful willow tree and I am the branches connected to her. I mean, if we think about that type of relationship, really powerful. So other folks, if we're thinking of authority saying uh, my manager is a member of the KGB or my manager is Hitler, I mean, some really loaded powerful, destructive uh, metaphors. So um, yeah, I love that continuum approach. I haven't thought about it like that. And that makes so much sense. Yeah. Okay. No, it is so true. It is Mm -hmm. so true. And, um, you know, um, I think for a number of leaders, unfortunately, it's it's scary to set the title aside. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, there's one word that it just makes me cringe, and that's boss. Mm-hmm. I, I, I have never used the term boss, certainly mm-hmm. whenever, you know, a, applied to myself. And people mm-hmm. would introduce me and say, this is my boss. I said, no, I'm, you know, I, I happen to be your manager, but, you know, we're colleagues. I yes, just, yeah. I don't like it. And, and cool. I have not used it uh, relating to anyone else, mm-hmm. you know, it applied to me because I, I think it's... um. You know, it's, I don't think it's an effective term. I agree. I agree. Because then you think of, well, she's bossy or bossing someone around, which I think runs parallel to bullying in some ways, right? So um, thank you for that. That's something I hadn't thought about, but I'm going to be really mindful of. 
Okay, Brenda, I have one last question for you. So we looked at advice for our formal titled leaders. And now I'm wondering if you, what is the advice that you have for employees of all ranks across all industries? What is it that any employee could work on right now to improve their leadership abilities? You know, it's a culmination, I think, of everything we've talked about, starting with authenticity. Mm-hmm. You know, know who you are. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, try to focus on nurturing and developing whatever that strength is, mm-hmm. yours and yours alone. We all have it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we spend a lot of time listening to people, you know, say, oh, you should be more of this and less of that. Going back to what you said, you know, at the beginning, you know, are you, is, you know, should I be a democratic leader? Should I be a this? Should I be mm-hmm. a that? You should, you should be of whatever you are. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Some people have the gift of, of humor. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they walk into a room, mm-hmm. you know, or they come onto a camera yeah. and, and people start to smile in anticipation of what mm-hmm. they're going to say, right? Mm-hmm. They have to say a word. So you have to find whatever that is that's your own mm-hmm. and really develop it and, and, and nurture it and figure out how to make it work for you. I don't want to be cliche, but how do you mm-hmm. use that as your superpower? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and I think that that really is the most important thing. And going back to setting read the room, mm-hmm. you know, setting the right expectations mm-hmm. and, and look for where you can make, where and how you can make meaningful connections and build sustainable, lasting professional relationships. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I agree. And I love when we think about reading the room, I think there is a lot of power there that often we overlook because when we pick up on these things, we have more autonomy. And we can figure out what parts of our roles can we kind of stretch a little bit that we really like and lean into. And, you know, I, I think it just uh, it allows you to, as you're saying, lean into your natural strengths and talents um, in a way that is normative in your organization. And I want to go back to something we talked about a few mm-hmm. minutes when you talked about the title leader. Mm-hmm. All leadership doesn't necessarily sit at the top. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you know, look at who the informal leaders are. That mm-hmm. might be an AA. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. But think about who the go-to person is. You know, where, who do people look to for mm-hmm. information or support or insight and things like that? Or who is really driving? Mm-hmm. Often, you know, the person that's holding the wheel is not the person. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I remember learning that lesson because when I, my kind of second grown up job, I worked in a marketing department in a large hospital and the chief marketing officer was just pulled in a hundred directions all the time. And I just felt like I don't have what I need. I need some information. I need this in order to do my job. And a colleague finally said, go ask Tyrone. Tyrone knows everything. Tyrone has the chief marketing officer's ear. And I was like, oh, this is like my my life. It's like I, I quit a part-time job that was holding me back so I could fully be where I needed to be in that role. So, yeah. 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 Well, Brenda, thank you for joining us today on The Communicative Leader. I really enjoyed our conversation, and I know that our listeners are going to as well. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right, my friends, that wraps up our conversation today. Until next time, communicate with intention and lead with purpose. I'm looking forward to chatting with you again soon on The Communicative Leader.